You're live. You're on the air. Everybody, it is Talking Wax. This is Artist Rewind, your ultimate intimate conversation with your favorite artist. And tonight is a special night, and I wasn't planning on going live, but we are live. That's right, everybody. It is short notice. It is last notice, but 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We usually have our episodes are pre-recorded, but this night, it's not. Why? Sometimes internet's not on your side, but... We're going to revisit an episode that's very special to mine. And I see Debbie Mull is here. And happy birthday to you, Debbie. It is your birthday. So share this out and tell everybody this is the place to be. Talking Wax, your ultimate intimate conversation with your favorite artist. And we actually have a VIP all-access backstage pass for unedited content that you might not find anywhere else but here in the first of the month. That's right. The first Saturday of each month, we have a vinyl showdown. It is the ultimate vinyl showdown where we give away vinyl to you. You bring your records on here. We bring you on the show and the audience in the chat live. They share it out and they vote for you. And you win records from us. That's right, everybody. But tonight, let's go on with the show. This album that meant something to me, 1980. It was released in November. And there's no cheat notes. This is all on the top of my head. One of my favorite all-time artists, John Lennon. It's right behind me. It was the final album that him and Yoko recorded, where John actually went to Bermuda on a boombox, sat there, took a break from the family, from, well, taking care, making bread, and he was in just getting back into music. It was starting all over for him. On this album was a special album. He was energized. He was revisited. He wanted to get back, and he wanted to make music and share it with the world. And unfortunately, on December 8th, 1980, John Lennon was assassinated. And we, his family was robbed. We were robbed. But tonight, we're going to talk with Jack Douglas, producer of that record, who put the session together, and he's going to go deep and talk about that. Now, some of you might have seen this on the other channel, but it's one of my favorite episodes, and I did a couple of changes for it tonight to make it special because it's special for my heart and I hope it's special for yours. Everybody in the chat, thank you for being here. Laurel, Debbie, it's her birthday. Steve, it's great to see everybody here tonight. Marge, um, well, you know what? Let's roll it, everybody. Tonight's a special one, right? Right. All righty. We're going to get right to the nitty gritty over here because it's live and I'm all nervous. But you know what? Don't be. Bam. Talking wax. Uh -huh. October 22nd. It's Friday night and you're with me. It's Adika and we're on Talking Wax. Everybody, let's go to 1980 and meet Mr. Jack Douglas right here. Welcome to the show, Jack. Welcome. He, he, uh, John, but I, I always say he was the easiest artist I ever worked with. What are we doing? Listen, or? yeah, I'm alive together, is yeah. by far it really, as, uh, yeah, producing because he drew the line very clearly, um, between producer and artist. So I would ask him to do four vocals. Uh, and then I had the live vocal, 
and then I would comp it. He would not sit in the room with me while I comped it. He would say, I'm going to go ne- in the room next door. Let me know when you have it. I'll come out and double it. And, uh, and the same thing, you know, he'd let me do those arrangements. Um, and of course, the band didn't know whose record they were making when we were rehearsing. That's wild. He, you know, I had the cassettes with the songs on them. And um, by the way, I gave I gave uh, Ringo those cassettes. Then we recorded one of John's songs, re- you know, last year. Yeah. Uh, for Ringo, with Paul. Uh, but um, the band didn't know because it had to be a secret, and so uh, I arranged and charted all the songs. I would go to rehearsal with the band. He let me put a band together. The only thing I needed was their birth dates so that Yoko could clear them uh, through numerology. Wow. <laughs> no, everyone passed. So, you know, I guess everybody got lucky. It's been too long since we took the time. No one's to blame. My time flies so quickly. So, Jack, you uh, put that band, you put, Jack, you put that band together. Yeah. Not trusting you, and that was it. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what John said to me is when you put a band together, make sure that they're all, um, they're all around my age. So, and of course, John was 39 going on 40. He said, wanted his contemporaries so that um, if he called a jam, which there were a lot of jams, yeah. and, uh, they knew the song. If it was Bebop Alula or some Everly Brothers or Chuck Berry or whatever, if he called it out, let's play it, they knew it. <laughs> Including a lot of Beatles songs he called out. And they, and they knew them all. Um, so he, he, that, was, that was what he wanted. And the other thing he wanted was he wanted a New York sounding rhythm section, which is very different than, you know, L.A. or... Mm. Um, so he wanted that New York sound. The only thing I threw in later was Earl Slick. I liked Earl's work with David Bowie, yeah. and I threw in Earl as a wild card. I didn't have him at rehearsal. I just wanted him to come up with things on the on the fly so that there would be that little bit of danger in the arrangements, him not knowing what was happening. In fact, you know, he couldn't, all the guys in the band that I put together, they could read. And, and I charted everything. Um, and so uh, at rehearsals, they would read the charts. I would sing. They didn't know whose record it was. Uh, some had suspicions, but, you know, John had been gone for a long time. And I called the last rehearsal. Uh, the last rehearsal was going to be at the Dakota, a dry rehearsal. And it was the night before going into the studio. And I told everyone in the band to meet us, to meet at the corner of 72nd and Central Park West. And for a lot of guys that was suspicions confirmed <laughs> and, and we went up to Dakota and we dry rehearsed uh, this way. No one would be nervous the next day. Uh, of course, Huey had worked. Hugh McCracken right. had worked with, and Huey was also in wings. 
Yep. Oh, and, okay. Wow. In fact, uh, Ram. Yeah. And and uh, John said to Yui, he said, "Oh, hi, Yui. You know, glad you're on the record with us." And he said, "You know that that work you did with Paul?" Yui said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, that was just a rehearsal for me." <laughs> I, love, I love it. I love. I love the ribbon. You know. Yeah. So uh, we went every over everything dry uh, that night in 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 uh, up in the Dakota. I mean, a funny thing after the rehearsals. Rehearsals went on for two weeks. I would record the rehearsals and then go back to the D Dakota with the cassettes. And and jump in bed with John, which is where he liked to work in his bedroom. <laughs> jump in the bed with him. He was surrounded by cassette players and instruments and monitors and every contraption you could think of. The guitars were behind his head, and then he would pick a guitar, listen to it, and then make a suggestion to me about wow. something he'd want to do in the arrangement. But anyway, worked out all those songs that you hear on. Uh, on, on Double Fantasy and Milk and Honey and some others that you may never hear. Uh, and, uh, and as we were leaving the Dakota that night, at, at the doorway, in and out of the, the apartment, there was a Fender Rhodes piano and, uh, and a cassette recorder so that if John had an idea when he came in the apartment, he could sit down and play and record it or before he was leaving. Oh, I got, a, I got an idea. So as we were leaving, I, the last people out the door, Tony Levin, uh, Yui and myself, he stopped us and he said, I want you to hear one of the song, one of the songs that I've been fiddling with, uh, that you don't have, no one has. And he played us starting over on the Fender. My life. Take it, it's mine to give. And, um, and I said, uh, it's a, you know, it's a hit, I think. And I think uh, we'll just record that first. We'll work it up in the, in the studio and, and uh, get the track done. Uh, you know, everyone's going to fall right in with that one. And so that's what we did the next day. We got the track on that. Did you run tape? The whole time or a lot of the time in the studio? And have we heard that tape? Is that where, and you mean how much hidden, is left? The yeah. hidden mics? The, yeah. I wonder if that will ever come out. Uh, so day two, or maybe day three at the most of the session, John comes into the control room and he said, he said, are we recording all of the, everything that's said in the, and I, you know, out in the studio, on the room mics, and on my, I said, yeah, we're recording everything on the multi-tracks. He said, the shame of it is, he said, all the really interesting things are said in the control room or in the hallway, just the talking. And it would be really cool to, to record everything that goes on uh, while we're making this record. So the next morning I went in early and I had mics hidden everywhere, everywhere except the bathroom. But I had mic, mics everywhere hidden. And, and I didn't tell him, but I knew he was asking for that, but I didn't say anything. And I had two uh, transcription 
a mono decks in the hidden in a closet. There you have giant reels on them, and they and they're very slow. But we're only recording basically dialogue, and I recorded everything, every word that was said, every fart, anything that went on was recorded. Wow, uh, and um, and that went on. And on his fortieth birthday, I gave him uh, for his birthday present. I had all those tapes at that to that point uh, made into uh, cassettes, and uh, that was his birthday present from me, which uh, he just loved. He flipped out. He started listening to them. Right, he was crazy about that stuff. And he just loved it, and. Um, and then even when we got to a uh, record plant and we started working on uh, Walking on Thin Ice, again, I hid microphones and recorded those. So, so there were just hundreds of hours of um, mm-hmm. dialogue and music and all kinds of things. Jack, wasn't there a solo break on the tape? Have you got it written in, the mach- in your sheets? Do they still exist somewhere? Of course they do, yeah. That's great. Who you have them? I don't have them. No, Yoko has them. I mean, Jack, that's great stuff that you did that, and wow, it's you know. It's, yeah, there's also the movie that I don't know what happened to the movie. Um, I I said, why don't we? I said to John, why don't we film some of this? And um, he said, that's a good idea. Let's do a couple of days of filming. And so I had a friend uh, named Jay Dubin. Um, Jay was the guy who had this, he came up with this concept and and uh, produced the Crazy Eddie commercials. And so I don't know if anybody, yes. Crazy Eddie, I, I, totally. Well, our prices can't be beat. They're that's insane. It. So, <laughs> His prices are insane. So, so Jay Dubin was not only a good filmmaker, uh, he also had a very cool sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And he was a Brooklyn guy. So I said, Jay, he had a crew. I said, I want you to come in. And I didn't tell him who it was going to be. I just told him to come to the studio. Then I made him sign a bunch of papers that he would never tell anyone what he was doing. And that every night uh, he would have to turn the film cartridge over to Yoko, uh, which he did. And, um, and then Yoko would have it processed. So he shot for two days. I think it was quite good. Uh, now, John was very thin at that time. He had lost because he always thought of himself as the fat beetle. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and so he he went on this macrobiotic diet, and he was fit. He, I mean, he was super fit. He was doing yoga, but when he wore his hair back in a ponytail, he looked like someone had stretched his head. He he looked like skinny head. He looked like you know how <laughs> after Al Sharpton lost weight, he has like yeah. a skinny head now. <laughs> it didn't look right. Didn't look right. Yeah, yeah, it didn't look right. So he yeah. saw this footage of himself with the skinny head. We used to call him skinny head in the studio. Was he okay and with that? Or did yeah, he, he was because he liked yeah. anything with the skinny on it, you know, because yeah. he always considered himself so fat. And um, and so when he saw this, 
And he said, I look like fucking skinny head. And so he didn't want anyone to see it. And so we don't know what happened to that film. People always say they have bits and pieces of it. Um, I've, I've never seen it. I have some video that no one has ever seen, which I keep to myself. Yeah. That Bob Gruen shot on his birthday. Yeah. Bob, gave, uh, Bob gave John the very first uh, video camera that had a screen that opened up so you could see what you were shooting. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so um, we were doing the Playboy interview, first day of the Playboy interview in the control room. And John said to, uh, to Bob, why don't you shoot David, this? David Sheff was the interviewer. Right. David, he was so nervous. I thought he was going to pee himself. Didn't know what to do on that first day of interviews. And so John was helping him get it going. And, and, uh, and, and uh, Bob Gruen shot it. A half hour, 45 minutes of it. Uh, I ended up with a CD, a DVD of it. The long story how it was thrown away. It ended up in a box somewhere. Someone found it. They thought I should have it. I got it. Um, it's very good. But that is the only video or film that I know of that exists of those sessions. John, he, he was a gadget guy. He liked all the technology, huh? He liked all that stuff. Oh, he did. He did. He did. Yeah. A year before I started working with him, uh, I ran into him. I hadn't seen him in ages. He was giving uh, Sean swimming lessons at the Y over on the east side. Yeah, and I was in a health food store across the street with my wife uh, having lunch. And he walked in and he saw me and he came over. He was excited to see me. This is a year before. And, um, oh, he congratulated. He said, wow, you're doing really well. You've had a lot of success. And I said, I'm doing okay. Um, and and he said, why don't you come up to the Dakota? Let's talk about all the new technology, everything that's going to go. I need to, to, to get up to date with what's happening in production and recording. And he's been out of it for so long. And he gave me his private number. And then uh, he left. Uh, and, uh, and I didn't call him because I'd been reading all this stuff about how he's baking bread and he's the house husband. And I only lived, I lived on 76th in Central Park West. And he lived on 72nd. I was only four blocks away, a short walk down the, down the street. Um, but I didn't, I didn't call him and I didn't go down there. And so I was, until I got that mystery phone call, um, about uh, getting on a seaplane, not knowing what it was about at all, um, to go out to the to the uh, to the, the house in uh, Long Island Sound. Were you were you with him uh, on the, the last night of his life when he was mixing uh, walking it, on thin ice? Yes, I was mixing it, and uh, and uh, I walked him to the, the. We always had breakfast in the morning. Uh, between 9 and 10 a.m. Uh, in a neighborhood cafe. 
So I walked him to, and the next morning we were scheduled to master it at Sterling. And uh, so I walked him to the elevator. I had to do another session after. I had booked my other, because because he didn't tell me, he told me that I, I wouldn't see him again until January or February, that he was going back to Bermuda after we finished uh, Double Fantasy. And I was surprised when he called me up and he said, I can't stop. We got to go back into the studio. I've, you know, I, I'm just having too much fun. And, uh, th there's, you know, there's a lot of work I want to do. Uh, first thing I want to do is I want to do this thing for Yoko. She has this idea. Um, we have kind of a half a track. We can make loops and you and I can play on it. And, um, and so I, you know, he wanted to come back into the studio. I had already, because he told me he wasn't coming back until uh, the following year, early the following year, and he had plans for a tour. And uh, anyway, I had already booked another artist uh, for with RCA, and so he asked me. He said, "Well, can you book them like late at night, and we'll work." in the day until, you know, eight or nine o'clock at night. And I said, of course, for you, well, yeah, whatever. And so normally, um, because we lived four blocks from each other, I would just, uh, if I didn't have any work to do after a session, I would get in the car and, um, and go home with him. Uh, but after these walking on thin ice sessions, I had to, grab a coffee and then go to down to studio C and do, uh, and do the RCA sessions, um, which was Karen and the pins, uh, a new wave record. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, that night um, I walked into the elevator. I said, I'll see you uh, in the morning, nine o'clock mix was finished. We were all thrilled. We were very happy. He had a big smile on his face. Uh, we were looking forward to a lot of things, yeah. But mastering first, and then, um, and then he was gone, and mm. that was, you know, uh, an, an hour later, uh, I was at uh, Roseville Hospital waiting to find out what was going on. Our life together. You, my friend. Okay. All righty. Jack Douglas, welcome. Thank you very much. Mazel. All righty. We'll see, speak soon, buddy. Okay. I'll let you out of here. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Mr. Jack Douglas, everybody. Thank you, Jack. And thank you guys for all spending the night with us and watching this episode. It's one of my favorites, one of my favorite artists, one of the best. And so are you. And everybody, give a thumbs up. Subscribe. If, if it's your first time. And Debbie Mola, it's your birthday. We love you here at Coffee Talk and Talking Wax, both platforms. You get double, double, double love. And if you're not a wax packer, get in on the action because we're giving away records, kids. We're doing it now. But all you got to do is click in the links below in Patreon, get on the Talking Wax tier, get your VIP all access pass because there we have a lot more footage that you might not see here, but you will see there. And you might be able to win some good records that we're giving away first Saturday of each month. Well, one of these can be yours, but you got to be in it to win it, kids. Until then, 
We'll see you Saturday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. New episode will be uploaded. So please enjoy us. Enjoy tonight because we love you, kids. On that note, we are out of here. And remember, it's only rock and roll and we like it. Bam! Stop right there. You got to represent. So if you show your picture and send it to us, we're going to show it to you. So always representing. Who's representing this time? Well, it's Debbie Jackson. We love you, Debbie. And thank you for, for representing. And Corey loves you. Until then, everybody, if you want some other great episodes, we'll just click right here, click here, or maybe just subscribe right there. Keep the aisles clear. Who loves you, baby? We do. We'll see you Saturday. Mazel and love. Boom.